Two Podcast. It is I, Cameron, the Cree, uh, doing an interview piece this week. Um, very excited. Um, my cousin Matt is a man of word of his word, like we talked about, um, and decided that we could make it happen. So I am over here at his house um, doing a remote recording. Um, Henry is a man of his word. Um, he is a manager of his softball team. Um, which, if you've listened to previous episodes, is something in the recovery um, landscape. And it's very important. So we all have obligations, and, you know, it looks like every other Thursday, um, Hen might not be here, or we'll have to tweak the times. Um, this comes from me that, you know, excuse me, I am a problematic person as well. Um, Henry has to accommodate to me because I have the two kids um and the only time i can really record is on thursday at around 4:30 p.m. um pacific time so he accommodates to me um it really sucks that he's not here he was super juiced to be here for this episode um but i think it's going to be a good one um me and matt are family members um he's my cousin um one of the pioneers who who kind of motivated me to get sober um he is still trudging the path and has a whole bunch of, um, you know, really cool insights and a really good way at looking at recovery in life um, that I admire. So that was kind of our hope. <laughs> and if you hear a child in the background in this remote one, um, that is Matt's son, Tavin, watching Blippy. So you are in for a treat here <laughs> at Rude Dude. Um, with that being said, I am going to introduce um, my cousin, Matt. Matt, how you doing, dude? Welcome to Rude Dude. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm uh, stoked to be here. Uh, I've been looking forward to this uh, for a while now. Um, I know with our scheduling, things get a little tricky, but uh, really happy to be here. Um, yeah. yeah. You doing good? Yeah. Cool, man. How was your day, dude? How you, how you doing today? How you feeling? You nervous? No, I'm good. Uh, it's been a little hectic, so just coming down off of traffic and work and daycare and pickups and all that fun stuff, but uh, all in all, I'm, I'm solid. Well, cool, dude. Cool. Well, it's good. It's, it's good to finally actually get a, get this down um, for us to sit here together. Um, I wish you listeners could could see us. We're we're very close to each other, and the mic's <laughs> like in a box with a towel. Um, it's 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 fucking awesome. Um, there is one thing that I did want to bring up before we got into kind of Matt's background, his little journey, and then the adults, children's of alcoholics piece that that we had been talking about in previous episodes. Um, Matt. Can you tell the listeners what it was like to wake up in the bed of that truck yeah. on the freeway, dude? <laughs> so I was listening to that episode and was, uh, got a lot of laughs out of that. Uh, grateful that uh, I'm no longer in those uh, situations. But um, as I remember the night, we, uh, I was pre-gaming with Bonnie and Lisa with uh, some vodka, and then we drank a whole fifth. And then we decided we were all going to go to Faces. Yeah. We get to Faces, and me being um, proud of my ancestral heritage oh. of uh, German and Irish, uh, that means I can drink and drink and drink and drink. And so I uh, challenged the bartender and made a, a wager, and he uh, accepted it. He uh, said that if I could drink three Incredible Hulks back-to-back, that I could drink for free all night. And uh, I accepted the challenge. <laughs> And I, 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 slammed, I slammed all three within 30 seconds uh, as a proud Irishman. And then uh, shortly after that, I uh, was unable to stand up 
And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I was in walk to the truck where I was uh, requested to lay down. And so I, I fell asleep in the back of the truck. And then uh, I remember waking up to a bunch of wind blowing my hair about. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? And I, I lean up and I'm looking around and I'm, I'm on the freeway. And it's, it's pitch black. Uh, I'm like, what is going on? And my first instincts are like, someone stole the truck and didn't know I was in the bed, obviously. And uh, I need to get this shit pulled over and handle business. <clears throat> so I stand up full of drunken rage because someone had wronged my aunt. And uh, so I'm pounding on the back window, pounding on the roof, yelling, get over, you son of a bitch. Pull the fucking truck over. Just losing it on the, the roof of the cab. And then uh, the driver starts to merge over to the right lane and then takes an exit. And uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the person to get out. I'm like, I'm going to 300 punch this dude in the face. And uh, Cameron pops out. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And then him and I get into a, we have a little discussion. And then uh, <clears throat> we figure out what we're, what we're doing. And we try to navigate back to Bonnie's house. Because where we were, I don't remember exactly where we pulled off. But it was not anywhere near where Bonnie had lived at the time. So then we're both a little concerned because we're obviously both intoxicated driving someone else's truck. Dude, she, <clears throat> she, they, they lived in an antelope at yeah, the time. Yeah. And, and the, the, <clears throat> the fact that I even fucking got us back there, yeah. I don't even remember you helping me navigate that, bro. Yeah. Like, like, cause I was, that, that night was wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, that is, <laughs> that is so funny. And then, and then the, the greatest part about that, dude, that, I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah, you're good. And, and listeners, if you hear this, <clears throat> Matt's son is, is walking around, um, pushing a little <laughs> dump truck. So like I said, this is a remote, this is a remote recording session. So, so you might hear dogs tapping, you might hear blippy, um, you might hear a, a little dump truck rolling around, um, apologies in advance. But yeah, man, the greatest part about that, I think, is is that we got back to the house. Yeah, uh, it's all it's all a blur, right? Yeah. But they all got back and wanted to kick my fucking. Oh ass, yeah, dude. yeah. I remember dude, Mitchell like. Yeah, he like grabbed me. Yeah. And, and 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 I remember that. And then I think the funniest fucking part, dude, is they just like shunned me into the room, and then you guys all continued to fucking drink the rest of the fucking <laughs> yeah, night, dude. We like, did. And I, I had to go like lay in this dark room, all sad. I was just trying to fucking save the day. Yeah. And and dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I'm, and I'm just like sitting here trying to go to sleep. Everyone's mad at me. Oh, dude. That's one of like six. I said it in the last uh, that episode, man. That's one of 900 stories. And there oh, are yeah. a lot of them we, with me yeah. and Matt. Lots. Um, lots. Lots of crazy ones that, that we won't get into at this exact moment. Um, <laughs> anyways, dude. Well, how about this? Since we're here and we're, and we're doing it, and we get, like I said, we have all the intangibles, the background noise, and all the fun stuff. Um, how about you? Um, tell the people just a quick little synopsis of kind of your little story, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, what that looks like in a nutshell. Yeah, um, I grew up in a, a small town in Gold Country uh, called Lotus. Um, I was born in Auburn, California, and when I was in the third grade, we my family moved us to St. Mary's, Idaho, which is an even smaller town in the Panhandle of Idaho. Um, very remote. Um, grew up uh, very low income. Uh, both parents worked really hard, um, but uh, just we—they uh, both are also really bad alcoholics. Um, but very uh, family-oriented. 
Mm-hmm. So my upbringing, we had a lot of good morals and stuff like that. Um, just living remotely for so long was uh, interesting because getting outside influences was was not common. Um, when I lived in St. Mary's, uh, there was a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, my dad's a combination of Doc Holliday and Jim Morrison. That's an understatement. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so having that and then uh, having a mom who's like uh, a Catholic hippie, um, <laughs> the influences uh, as a child were very broad spectrumed, um, but they, uh, they would have a lot of issues. Um, they like to argue when we were younger and growing up, I got to see a lot of not positive things. Um, my dad would run off and actually even when I was younger, I remember going to bars. My dad would take me to bars when I was four and, and all the way up until I was older. Um, and you know, we'd, he'd make me do karaoke and hang out with his friends and then he would drive home <laughs> like after we'd like close bars down when I'm like five dude up in Idaho and in Georgetown like all over yeah oh, and like yeah, fuck, then uh, I remember my first drink uh, my dad took me fishing and he didn't bring any water or juice or Gatorade he just bro- brought some Budweiser like a 12 pack of Budweiser and uh, a pint and so I'm probably Tavin's age I'm like four or five and uh I go, hey dad, I'm thirsty, can I have some water? And he's like, I don't, I don't have any water. And he cracks open a beer Dude. and hands me a beer. Dude. And so I'm, you know, doing hashtag man stuff, just drink, throwing a beer back with my dad, <laughs> fishing. Dude, what are the odds that like our first beers were Budweiser's? Yeah. That was my first sip of beer was yeah. a fucking Budweiser. That must be like a family thing. It, it's gotta be. And, and there's, there, there's a quick little thing that I wanna interrupt and I'm sorry for interrupting. If you can't tell, we we kind of come from this 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 huge family of 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 rednecks, I yeah, guess, but I, not. I identify more as a, a hillbilly growing up in like the hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but anyways, same dude, difference. Yeah, though. yeah. So, dude, I, I I went up and visited you up there in yeah. Idaho. It was a beautiful place, man. Yeah, was, I love it. It up was there. so fucking cool, bro. Yeah, beautiful. Um, that was an awesome little chunk of land back there. But I could see that being a little challenging. This it was. Uh, yeah, like and then. My dad, being my dad, he would just, he is someone that you cannot tell what to do or recommend, hey, you should maybe not do this. Mm-hmm. The more you attempt to do that, the more he's just going to do the polar opposite. So if he was doing things to ruin his marriage with my mom, he would, instead of trying to make it better, um, would then, you know, just run off and we wouldn't see him for a couple of days and we'd have to go try and find him in bars or random people's houses and always get into fights and you you never knew what was going to happen if we were at a barbecue someone might offend him and then he would beat up him or they it just depends on how many people wanted to get involved and he's a bit of a gunslinger so you didn't really want to mess with him i've seen him do a lot of a lot of damage um so having that as a male role model um kind of made a weird foundation um and then my mom is overly forgiving and an enabler and so being having that duality was tricky. So then uh, high school, I am uh, get out of eighth grade, I'm moving back to um, Lotus. My grandmother died and so we moved, uh, and my dad, sorry, he started a business in St. Mary's, that's why we had moved there. The business didn't do too good because him and my uncle weren't seeing eye to eye. And so then we moved back to Lotus to live in my grandma's house. Um, and my uncle owns the property and he is sober. And so that was obviously a huge conflict with two parents that have to 
drink every day mm -hmm. and if they don't they get angry and blame everything on everything and so uh, living in a really really tiny town I go to St. Mary or I go to Ponderosa High School in Shingle Springs which isn't huge but for me I may as well have moved to New York City like it was insane dude I remember when you moved back right I, yeah. I think I graduated eighth grade or something like that it was like seventh grade and yeah you, you you came and picked us up from school and I was like oh shit dude yeah. Matt's back and dude dude you could just tell like you know like it was kind of like almost like a little bit of a culture shock right? oh yeah like, like, like dude you were back in California that is everybody's out here doing California things yeah. and and I can imagine that being kind of fucking hard it was very intimidating um, and so going to school I, I didn't really I didn't have any real people skills because I had a small isolated group of friends um, and then just being tight-knit with my family, uh, we would get snowed in sometimes. I remember a winter where we were snowed in for like like four weeks. I didn't go to school for like a month. Dude, that's wild. And we would, like the roads were frozen. There was like six feet of snow everywhere, power lines down everywhere. Um, so living in that environment, uh, then going to where there's, you know, 2,000 people in my graduating class, uh -huh. like that's that's uh, huge. And then just the whole way of life. So I didn't have a lot of people skills um, and then I got introduced to alcohol, and it made me not feel so shy. I could open up. I could, I could be myself, and it made me feel confident and boosted. And uh, part of the group, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I really liked to, uh, you know, be a part of that. It was really empowering. Um, and so for a long time, I, I loved to just go and drink and hang out with people. And then uh, the town I lived in in Lotus is a small rafting community. So you basically are on the river and it's beautiful. And there's three bars and a gas station. And so yeah, yeah. alcohol consumption is, <laughs> that's what you do. For our, for our West Virginia listeners, um, the Belgian that won't talk to us and, and everybody else um, <laughs> across the, the planet. Um, Lotus is just a small little town across the river from Coloma. Um, and if you know anything about California history, that's where the gold rush started. Um, so it's, a, it's like an old little gold mining town. Yeah. Um, and it literally is a, a fucking bridge. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's it, got a stop sign. It, it just got a street light, but it's it, it's a flickering on and off red yeah, light. Dude. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, there's a gas station, the yeah. Coloma Club, yeah. and and then some pizza fucking spots. Yeah, right? yeah. And and then when I worked at Progress House, the the, the treatment facility, yeah. there's a rehab right 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 across the right. street. Yeah. Um. So there's there's not a lot going on there either. So yeah. you can kind of see how getting even in that it's a familiar scenario, right? Yeah. But now we've just introduced alcohol to yeah. it and I imagine we were probably smoking weed at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I started, you know, smoking weed as well. Um, I had met some people in Coloma and started becoming friends with a lot of them and they liked to, you know, smoke and drink. That was kind of the thing to do and I felt uh, they were really awesome people, uh, great friends at the time. And I hadn't really experienced that, um, being so isolated. And then when I was in school, in elementary school, I used to get bullied a lot. People would like literally pick me up and I was really small, weighed like 60 pounds. And then when I was in high school as a senior, I think I was like a buck 40. Um, so I used to get kind of beat up a lot. Um, so then getting to meet people, I'm feeling more confident. You know, I got friends now. Um, we we like to drink and we would you know we'd get a bunch of rafts together and we'd hike up to the top of the river 
and tie them together. And these are like class four, class five rapids, and we would just drink and smoke all day floating down them. And then like some nights we would do like late night runs. So it'd be like a full moon. We'd eat mushrooms and like drink and float down the American dude, river for like, like, fuck, like <laughs> quite a few miles of the river in the dark on like inner tubes. Like I would float down on like little alligator rafts and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun stuff. I mean, I love looking back now as it like to have a place to grow up. Um, it was it was amazing, but um, mm-hmm. I also look back and I go, I should have or could have died like a hundred times over, and yeah. incredibly grateful no one did. Um, yeah, and then uh, drinking and driving was a huge factor in all of that. Obviously, um, I was pretty much intoxicated every day from the moment I would wake up. I was smoking, and then once uh I wouldn't start drinking per se until more in the afternoon. I always had a job and so working, but uh, I worked at the gas station and uh, I would stock the cooler. And when I was working in the cooler, I would just crack open like sparks or whatever. Uh, Mike's hard. Dude, dude, a spark. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and so I'd just sit in the back and drink, you know, whatever I wanted. And then uh, when I worked the register, I would fill up my, I'd go get an empty, like, you know, coke, big, like an big, empty Big Gulp cup. Like big gulp. And I would just go in the cooler <laughs> and I'd fill it up with a, I, I wouldn't choose beer because I didn't want it to smell as strong of the beer. So I would like pick like a Mites Hard or uh-huh. a Smirnoff Ice. And then I'd, I'd literally fill that thing up with like a liter of booze. Yeah. And so, and I'd take my, I used to roll a cigarette, so I'd have my rolling tobacco, and I'd trim up a bunch of bud, and I'd mix it in, and I'd just smoke spliffs outside and just drink. And then uh, when I I worked an evening shift, so I'd start work at 4 in the evening, and then I'd get off around 10 o'clock at night. And at 10 o'clock at night in the summer in Coloma and Lotus, that's when it's Uh popping, especially in the summertime. Like, you got people coming from all over the world to raft. And so, like, the Coloma Club, the River Shack, Marcos, they'd have live music, and there'd just be tons of people. And so... I started just being a social butterfly, and uh, but it all revolved around the drinking. I was way more focused on how intoxicated I could get because that's in my mind what made me what people liked. It wasn't it wasn't so much that it was really me. It was how I was when I was intoxicated, um, and so that took me a while to realize. Um, it caused a lot of problems with a lot of stuff, and so living in this town, um, I then started abusing it a lot like I'm drunk at work Um, people I've miscounted a couple tills a few times and so my bosses suspected that I was stealing and I had a handful of really bad relationships while there and one in particular um, she had cheated on me I found out who it was and me and my two cousins were hanging out at a dimple here on sunrise Dude. drinking crown royal uh just <laughs> out, off the bottle in the back of uh, my s10 Dude. at dimple records parking lot and yeah. i see uh i see the guy and i'm like that's dude let's go let's go beat him up bro i remember this as clear as day yeah because because this was um you know if you if, if you paid attention in the beginning um, matt's dad um <clears throat> I imagine in his prime, it was uh, fuck around and find out. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't want to mess with Randy Hayden. Yeah. Um, even in this day and age, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like, crafty. I, yeah, it's still, he'd still find a way to kick my ass, guaranteed. Yeah. Um, but that was a moment when I watched you. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're when, good. I, when I watched you beat this, this guy's ass, dude. Um, where where I took a mental note, right? And I was like, I was like, okay, don't fuck with Matt, dude. Um, um, we don't got to get into particulars yeah. because you, you gave it to him pretty bad, dude. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So yeah. then, uh, well, uh, as we were saying, that that caused issues. So the some of those people knew who I was, and so then I'm at work one day, and um, I had a coworker, and she's in the back stalking. I am facing the till, checking people out. A group of dudes comes in, and this one dude's just like talking to me like he's just like yeah we're gonna fuck you up and i'm looking at him like who the fuck a lot of crazy people coming to gas station so yeah you just got to be on your toes and especially in the hills yeah, yeah yeah and so all of a sudden i see someone walking behind me i think it's my coworker, and then i turn to look and this dude just cold cocks me right in the face uh-huh. busts my lip wide open like split from my nostril my lips in half um he thought i was gonna get knocked out not the case so i pull my knife out and i pop my blade out and i go you're fucked Mm-hmm. And the dude sees that I'm about to stab him, <laughs> and uh, he books it, and I run after him, and they jump in a car, drive off. I come back in, gushing blood. Um, so then I tell my coworker that I got a split and uh, go get some stitches. So I get all that, and this is like a common occurrence where I just make uh, wrong decisions and there's some repercussions that are more than what I needed to do and uh, I don't consider myself a bad person um, I just like to do foolish things yeah yeah dude, dude, <laughs> that, that's what we do though yeah right? like, like that was the time and the place right yeah like, like when when we were all running and gunning right? yeah. like I I mean were were we making any solid decisions no no dude no <laughs> no now, now, so so after we beat that guy halfway to death, now we just got clocked. Yeah. Um, you then, when do you come to live down in Sac? So uh, while I'm in Coloma and Lotus, I meet um, Jen. Okay. And her and I have super awesome connection. And then uh, we... We travel all over the place. Um, I fly out to meet her and her friends in India. I've never left the United States. I've never flown on a plane. And I I flew all the way out to India. I proposed to her. And from there, we have this great relationship. But while the relationship's going, I am constantly drunk. Like, I drink from the moment I get home. And I'm not doing things to help progress in life. I'm just stuck in work a uh, uh, ten to uh, nine to five and not save, not do anything, so it causes a lot of problems. So my car breaks down and I work in SAC and to get from Placerville to SAC is a bit of a pickle when you don't have a car. Mm-hmm. So um, my Aunt Bonnie lives just a few miles at the time from where uh, I used to take care of disabled adults. And so move in with her um, then Bonnie, God love you, um, she likes to party at this time too, so then her and I are just partying all the time. I'm neglecting like my job. I'm showing up to work like drunk, hungover. I'm neglecting my girlfriend or fiance, and then that causes a lot of problems. Her and I split. I stay here in Sacramento, and then I get a client uh, just right down here. Actually, I moved to Watt Avenue before that, Yeah. yeah and then I moved back to Placerville. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's how I got to SAC. It's from a job. Those are uh, those are some wild times as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you remember drinking Country Club Forties in the morning? <laughs> yeah, we would. Yeah, we would, dude. Before yeah. our shift. Yeah, uh, I, it pains me to say that out loud, right? Yeah. Like, like when I sit and I think about that now. Yeah. Um, 
we won't get into that too deep because like when yeah. I sit there, I think it makes me feel gross. No, right? yeah, no, especially like yeah, helping. with what we were doing, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so we so you're you're there with Bonnie, um, Bonnie. We do love you. Yeah. Um, but you were raging just as much at the same yeah. time, and and so yeah, I, I can attest to that. Um, yeah. There was a lot of drinking and wow. a lot of a lot of a lot of drugs going on too. Yeah, I had a, a really bad um, addiction to painkillers, and so I would take Vicodin or whatever opiate uh, I could get my hands on. I'm smoking weed, and I'm drinking, and I like to drink like whiskey, vodka, tequila, and I like dark beers and reds, and so. Most of the stuff is very high levels. Um, so I'm driving around all over the place like this. Um, uh, we go, I'm with you, and uh, we leave a house, and I try racing a guy on a motorcycle in my car, and I've got probably a handful of Vicodins in my pocket. I've taken like four. I just did like five shots, slammed a beer, and I get the red lights flashing in the back because I was speeding. and. So I get pulled fun. over on Dewey, yeah, yeah. and I got a Dewey. Yeah, <laughs> so I uh, failed the, the, the test and got arrested, had to go downtown. Uh, that's when I got my DUI and got you know suspended for a long time because I had multiple substances in my blood. Um, so that kind of ruined a lot of my life. Like I had to ride a bicycle for a long time. Did they, did they catch you with the bikes? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Did you catch a charge for that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I had to go to all the classes for extended time. I, I didn't I didn't know that you got a charge. I just know that you got rolled that night. Yeah. I wasn't with you. Yeah, yeah. We were at the it, house together. Yeah, and yeah. Then, yeah. I, I, you left yeah. separately. But you have, like, some of my friends with you. Yeah, I had yeah. Uh, Scott. And Mark and stuff Mark, like that. Yeah. 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 Anyways. So, so. Uh, that was my first time going to jail. Um it wasn't as bad as I thought. I was like at first really nervous. What are you talking about, dude? Second, he sucks. It, no, it sucks. But I was uh, I was expecting harsher conditions. Okay, um, well, me and you had differing <laughs> differing experiences, dude. The first time the first time I got rolled, man, I'm sitting there, I'm laying in that in the in the release tank for 15 hours, yeah. man, and and I got I got a homeless guy taking a shit in the corner of the room and then wiping his ass with his hand dude and i'm like sitting there just like laying there trying to sleep dude nightmare fuel bro yeah. sac county can dude oh it's, I, I remember when i got pulled over in Folsom. quick little side yeah, story yeah. i got my first one right and and, uh, and i'm sitting there and I'm, i remember that right when they put me in handcuffs i'm sitting there i'm like this is el dorado county right <laughs> and he goes because Folsom cops looks at me he goes he goes no why this is we're sac county and i was like fuck <laughs> and just, i did not want to go downtown dude um, yeah, Sac County sucks, dude, but sorry, I, I digress. Go ahead. You're good. Bro. So uh, the police officer who arrested me lost my wallet, so I was in the mm -hmm. cell for quite some time, mm -hmm. and after a couple of days, I get out. Um, don't have a wallet. I have no money. They lost my uh, shoelaces because you can't have shoelaces in jail, and so I'm downtown. I don't. This is like pre-everyone having a cell phone, so I didn't have yeah. a cell phone. Uh, and I'm like, wow, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do right now. <laughs> like, there's the crazy homeless guy that Cameron just described taking a shit on the sidewalk next to me yeah. with all the other degenerates. And uh, so I remember that I have a cousin who lives across town, walked to his house, and immediately I get there and to celebrate that I've made it out of jail okay, me and my cousin start drinking and yes, taking huge bong rips because, you know, that YOLO. Win, win in Rome. Yeah, man. exactly. And Rome. so then... Uh, that is kind of my whole MO for a lot of uh, my youth. Um, so then 
I did a job working for a hazard tree company because I got tired of the working with disabled adults and it just wasn't really working out. So, so this is when it escalates. This right? is when it escalates yeah, mountain, a lot. Mountain enterprises. Yeah. yeah. And so majority of the guys that I worked with, they are never home with their family. They are all alcoholics and uh, addicts. And so working in remote, I mean, like we're out in the boonies sometimes. Sometimes we're in the middle of the city. So it doesn't really, it's all, it's sporadic. You live out of a duffel bag and every day is a 10 hour shift and you work Saturdays every yeah. week. So yeah. you lived with these guys. Um, and a lot of them became uh, really good friends. But uh, as soon as we got off work, like it was, I mean, we're talking like you're hopping in the truck. It's mm-hmm. cracking beers mm-hmm. and we're going to the shower and then we're gonna go get dinner and we're gonna stay up and drink until three o'clock in the morning. Yep. So every night for years. Um, and to keep that up, it was getting a little tough. So some of the people I worked with like to do other things that were like, uh, methamphetamines and uppers like cocaine and at the time I'm still popping painkillers like every day I had to take I had to ration out my painkillers so I'd get like you know 30 and I'd break them in half so that I could take one in the morning and then I'd take another one midday and then so on and so forth uh, yeah every couple hours I had to take but then I got to the point where half wasn't doing it so then I'd have to take two <clears throat> three and then I was taking like six a day the natural progression of things yeah. right yeah and so I start doing meth and I'm drinking, but I'm just... And we're taking pills. And I'm taking pills, but I, I just rail all of it. And so yeah. I'm just chopping up stuff in hotel, like shitty hotels and shitty neighborhoods, just living Woo. the great life. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm doing a job that's one of the deadliest jobs you can have. And I'm just running a chainsaw when what? I'm doing hazard tree removal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm cutting trees, we're climbing trees, we're dragging brush. I'm operating a, a chip truck, a huge one, with a giant chipper on the back. Sometimes I'm driving a bucket truck. And yeah. I mean, just everyone is just super belligerent all the time. Uh, not a healthy um, environment. No. So we used to go to this bar in Santa Rosa because I had been working there for two years. And I worked at this company for, I think, around five. And uh, one night I'm there with uh, some of my coworkers, we're all having a good time. One of uh, the coworkers is, he's kind of an asshole. He's just, he's like a cocky guy. Yeah. And so that doesn't mix well with me, especially if I'm drinking because I'm kind of cocky when I drink and I don't like when people are dickheads and I'll, I'll start antagonizing, I'm an antagonizer. And so me and this guy who doesn't speak any English, yeah. him and I start to realize we don't like each other anymore. Okay. And so he starts uh, pushing me, I push him back. One of our friends gets in the middle who speaks both languages, is trying to stop the fight. That guy pushes my friend. And so then I'm like, it's fucking on, dude. And I go to punch this dude. Um, and as I'm about to hit him in the face, a cop drove by and mm. sees us wrestling around. I think we punched each other actually a couple times. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're boxing. Are you, are you, you, you twacked out and shit, dude? Oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah. We're yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm up and Annie. Like, okay. And okay. so two cops show up and they're like getting ready to first they start messing with these guys because they don't speak english and so i got mad about that and i'm like these guys are fucking solid dudes and like you're being fucking dickheads because yeah. they're hispanic yeah. and so that cop didn't like that and so he's telling me to sit down and be quiet and i started calling him a bunch of names like cocksucker and piece of shit mm-hmm. I think we, we did a, a couple sea blasts, if I remember the story. Yeah, I called him a couple cunts. And uh, so then, <laughs> as I'm doing this, uh, Officer Shackles was his name. Shackles? Shackles. You're shitting me, I'm, man. I am not. <laughs> Officer Shackles 
comes up from behind me, and I don't know that this fucking dude's coming up behind me. He grabs my hands with handcuffs and yeah. cuffs me and picks me up. He cuffs me really hard. Yeah. And so I, not thinking clearly, turn, I elbow him on the side of the head. Yep. And he then grabs me and slams my face into the hood of his car hella hard. They uh, rough me up pretty good in the parking lot, and then I'm still yelling, and I'm, you know, I'm up. I'm ready yeah, to go. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll yeah, fucking yeah. fight you with just my head. Yeah. And uh, then uh, they throw me in the back seat. I get in the paddy wagon. We're going downtown. And uh, I'm calling these guys every fucking name under the sun the whole yeah, Like, yeah. I'm livid. A, I'm a, livid. Upstanding citizen. Yeah. Award, bro. Super nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I get there, and... Uh, they're trying to take all my rings off because I used to wear rings yeah, yeah. and I had one that was from India with Jen. it was really special to me and so he was trying to fuck with it and I like was like you fucking lose that ring dude we're gonna have a problem yeah. as I'm handcuffed like I'm not doing shit but like, yeah, yeah, you know dude, you, so, you're just another fucking drunk yeah, speaker yeah. dude so this yeah. dude takes me and puts me in a uh, I had my own private little cell and he turned the AC up full blast and took all my clothes off besides my underwears yep. and left me in there yep. and that that sobered me up really quick. Oh, uh, so after like hours of that, he then comes in and asks me if I'm going to be a good boy. I spit at him, and then mm. he leaves me in there longer. And then uh, I calm down because I'm like, "Fuck, dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm you're, not, you're just, not helping you're, myself here." You're, dude, dude, you're just racking up charges. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that wasn't good. Um, so then I find out that I'm going to be stuck in Santa Rosa because of my behavior um, for five days and then I also had a warrant for my arrest in Sac County yeah, because yeah. Um, I didn't finish paying all my DUI fines yes because yes. uh, I was a little anti the establishment yeah fuck the man dude we, yeah. had, we, had, we had drinking to take care of right yeah exactly yeah, yeah, you yeah. know and so uh, yeah I got to hang out there meet a lot of interesting folks um, my cellmate was pretty cool they brought you up here to the branch, yeah? Yeah, and so after I do my bit there, I still have to go to a court date and all this stuff, but they didn't have a shuttle ready to drive me up here. Okay. So I get shuttled up to um, Sac County. Meanwhile, I also forgot to include, at the time, I met Lynette, and her and I just got a condo together. Yeah. Like, we were supposed to move in the weekend that I, I remember got this. arrested. I remember And this. so she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, you're in fucking jail. Uh, I'm in jail, <laughs> and so uh, I call my parents and let them know what's going on. And so she came down and visited me in Santa Rosa, and then uh, so they they shuttle me up to the branch out here. Another wonderful establishment. I mean, the the food and yes. service and hospitality is uh, class. I mean, it's most certainly worth the four hundred dollars a night you get to pay yeah, while you're in good. jail. Um, good. So uh, I was labeled as a violent offender so i got to go into the violent offender Pond, area yeah. and uh that's where there's some guys that are legit violent yeah <laughs> like so murderers like, and yeah. Shit, yeah so i'm a little concerned <laughs> <laughs> getting in there yeah, and, like, uh, dude i was blacked out and on meth man yeah, this isn't like, i, I yeah. don't belong here <laughs> yeah, i'm a good guy <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good guy <laughs> i'm a school teacher <laughs> i'm a school teacher <laughs> and so uh the Naturally, the white supremes wanted to be my friend, yeah. and so got to meet. Uh, and you know, I knew I wasn't going to be there long, so I kind of stirred some shit with those guys. Luckily, nothing uh, escalated with that. No, that uh, met a family member in there. My cousin James, or our cousin James, was yeah, in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. Little, little family reunion. Uh, then I, I get released. I got all these new court dates and bills and fantastic charges. All these fun things going on. Uh, so instead of like going, man, I should 
pull my shit together, I continue doing meth, painkillers, and drinking, and keeping that secret for a long time. Like, yeah. I had a bottle that I would keep hidden, and a skull, I call it a shot glass, but it was like a brandy glass that yeah. shaped like a skull. And if, like, Lynette would walk into the bathroom, I was running to yeah. that cabinet, and I would fill that fucking thing up to yep. the brim, slam it, and then I'd go in the bathroom, and I'd crush whatever railing it and then I would just go brush my teeth and put on some cologne and wash my face and I'm I'm an upstanding citizen I'm, right? I'm good babe yeah. we're fucking solid let's yeah, go dude. have fun and let's drive to Santa Cruz this weekend dude dude I, that's such a familiar feeling yeah right? like with my story like pretending to go to work and and, and like when you when you're in like a new relationship and it, it's like you're you're trying to be this this person oh, that, yeah. you're, that you're not right yeah. like it's it, all props. It's, it's so funny it's it's so funny to hear you say that yeah. right like it's like you but you're still having to maintain yeah. right and it's just it's just it's fucking exhausting it is i think that's honestly the hardest part of being an addict or an alcoholic or whatever your case may be is the the knowing you're a fraud and lying to yourself and everyone around you that you're not that like the denial part for me, that was like the hardest part because I'd internalize it and I wouldn't, I just wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't talk about any of my other issues and I have stories for days on trauma yeah. and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, so uh, we- So we're coming to the end here. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still working at this company and then uh, Lynette makes an ultimatum with me and it's like, you know, if you can't get your shit together, like you need to move out. And my parents, everyone I know, I've burnt every bridge down. Uh, at the time, me and my parents were not getting along. Uh, my brother and I were not getting along. My sister. And so I basically was like about to be homeless and I didn't have any money. I didn't have a driver's license. Uh, the company I worked for didn't know that. And so I'm driving around not legit. Um, Word. Yeah. So uh, I decide I'm going to go appease Lynette. And I didn't want to stop because I was like, this is my life. And I... Um, ride until I die. Um, I go to an AA meeting in Del Paso Heights. Um, DPH. DPH. Uh, and the people in there have really rough lives sometimes, and you know, uh, it, it was really eye-opening. Mm -hmm. And so, it gives me a little bit of uh, cur uh, inspiration to, you know, all right, I'll give this a shot. So I, I last a week, relapse. I go to another group, I find one near my house in Natomas at the time. That one, I, I, I'm like, all right, this is cool. But I, going out of town was hard. Because yeah. I, I yeah. live this, I'm a good boy life on the weekend. And then Monday through Friday to try and not do anything with people that I've spent five years doing stuff with every day yeah. uh, was impossible. It's impossible, yeah. And so uh, I made it 30 days and uh, I was like, I got this, I'm good. So I drink relapse really hard and then uh my final relapse uh i had gone i think i'd gone three months mm -hmm. so i was like really proud of myself and then uh me and cassie started hanging out one day i just came home from work stopped by her house uh and we that's went on. matt's sister yeah and her and i just decided to buy a fifth and some other goodies i started doing mm -hmm. the hard stuff again and we we didn't I, I broke my cell phone I like crushed it I was just like yeah. I like literally threw it against a wall well, and dude, smashed dude, it dude, even, even, that's one thing that that uh for for the normies listening dude like three months of not drinking like like it might as well just like reset your whole your whole like <clears throat> tolerance level right? oh yeah I, like I remember because I was close to three months when I relapsed the last time I drank 
and dude, dude, it hit me like a hit me like a brick wall. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like a train. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was like I, I I had six beers to start that day. Yeah. Right. And that would have been like an appetizer, right? Like, yeah. Like and not even really wouldn't even have been a start. But I remember I it, it got me going. Oh yeah. That, that on, on that relapse. Yeah. My you know, first one, I literally had like two beers and a shot. And blacked out and pissed the bed. <laughs> like, yeah, that's another. We, we got some more of those stories too, pal. But I'm not. We're not going to get into that. No. One. Uh, so so you so, so you're, so you're I, raging uh, with Cass. Yeah, her and I go on a bender. Um, we disappear from everybody for like a week. I don't go to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. I almost hit a car head on driving belligerently drunk on Highway 49. Sweet. And that really woke. Like it was. It still haunts me a little bit, and I'm so glad that I didn't kill anybody. Um, yeah, uh, that one got me. So, this was the last straw. Like I'm basically done the switch with flips. with uh, with everyone's everyone's done with me. Mm-hmm. And so, I finally try a lot harder. Um, I go to meetings every day, um, putting in the work, and then uh, I got a year. And something happened once I got a year. My brain just flipped, and I never even thought of drinking or doing any drugs like not anything and I just got into nutrition working out mountain biking again and then I got a job fabricating for data centers it was a really good job started working with a solid group of guys who I'm still really good friends with today Um, and my life just like turned around Uh, Lynette and I start traveling the world together for a long time, uh, we got married, had an awesome son, and then uh, we're 10 years now of, uh, I'll have 10 years on October 21st Congrats, of not doing yeah. anything like that at Dude, all. That is, like, a, that, is a, that is a chunk of time. It is. That's I'm a- uh, very proud of myself, and to be doing that, not just within my like family, like with you, Cameron, but mm-hmm. with my immediate family. I'm a fucking unicorn. You are, dude. You are, dude. <laughs> yeah, it is it is non-existent. And uh, a lot of that was part of my inspiration. Like, I'm an older brother, so I should be a role model. I'm an older cousin. I should be a role model. You know, I've got people that I talk to at meetings that I can be a role model for. And I need to be that for myself. And holding myself accountable. And sometimes that's still difficult. Um, but... Yeah, that's basically in a nutshell yeah. my full circle of that. Nice, dude. Nice. Well, that was that was really good, dude. I didn't know uh, I didn't know that we were that we were throwing the pills in that. Um, I knew I knew about like the meth and all that stuff. Yeah, no, I would take like um, oxy's and yeah, all yeah. I didn't know I didn't know about that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you're lucky, dude. You dodged you dodged a few bullets, right? Yeah. I I, I, I like to sit and I think about that sometimes, like some of these nights that I've had, mm-hmm. or I had had, right? Um, where, dude, I, I don't even know how I woke up the oh, next yeah. day, right? Like, <clears throat> like, 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 cause, cause I'm not a big dude, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I drinking enough alcohol and doing enough drugs to, to kill, you know, six people over 10 times. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and here I am waking up the next day, yeah. ready to do it all over again. Um, the human body's in, it's amazing. insane, right? It is. Um, well, thanks for thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that. Dude. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, it's it's going out to people. Um, yeah. You know, and and actually, dude, I think it's going to be really helpful. There's a lot of points in there, um, that are that are important to hear, right? Yeah. Um, you know how how it can just keep progressing, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just oh hey here's this here's that, but there's a lot in that story that's relatable. Um, 
especially um, like I said, Henry being out in West Virginia, that that type of rural lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of people can probably relate to that. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, being, being in a smaller uh, place. Yeah. Um, and anybody else listening, um, and that leads us to the other point. Um, so, you've you're coming up on ten years mm-hmm. in AA, right? Yeah. Um, and that's fantastic, man. I mean, I mean, like I said before, you were a huge motivation for me to get sober. Yeah, um, means a lot. You know, five years for me. Um, you know, half and half, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, half that decade. So it sounds weird when you say a decade, right? Like you've been sober a decade. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's very crazy. Um, anyways, dude, so now you've taken on a new endeavor and it kind of goes back to the beginning of this episode where, where you were talking about your childhood yeah. and, and the things that you had seen. And that is you're involved in adult children of alcoholics. Yeah. Now, just give me a quick, because we've been running a little long. Yeah, yeah. Just give me a quick synopsis on what that is. Because um, I've never heard of it, and it sounds like it sounds like Al-Anon, but it, is it is it not? No, not quite. It's uh, it's focused on your inner child, and so a lot of things happen. And when you're a child, it's traumatic, and you basically like your personality gets fractured, okay. and you internalize a lot of stuff, and you aren't you aren't. There's a ton of. I mean, uh, the literature covers a lot of the. Um, trigger points and the laundry list and everything but you basically can become a compulsive liar because you're afraid of authority mm-hmm. you get anger because your childhood was terrible and you feel like you know why did I deserve that there's a lot of resentment there's um, inability to function uh, you can become very silent you don't speak about your feelings mm-hmm. um, all the important stuff uh, that if you don't handle you'll become an addict because it makes you feel better you know drinking and using substance in a nutshell so this program helps you reflect on a lot of your memories and a lot of your traumas and and also a lot of the things that you presently are doing that are causing issues with yourself first of all and then people around you because you're still living in this lie or you're still doing all these different characteristics that cause issues you know you might not be financially sound because that was not a part of your childhood and so you're you're not good with balancing checkbooks you don't know how to save um, and then you are gonna blame all that on another issue instead of just acknowledging it figuring out how to move forward with it and then growing with that Um, yeah I think that's really cool dude and I think that that's an interesting take right Mm -hmm. like so so would it be necessarily that you're how do I put this? That, you know, if you're exhibiting some behavior, like a, like a sketchy behavior, like you're starting to lie again, right? Yeah. Like would that, in according to this program, that would be you just going back to like an older way. Yeah. Um, because that was how you survived. Yeah, it's right? like a relapse. At the time. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. like a relapse, right? And I, and I think AA covers that too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, us, that's us making our daily amends, right? Yeah. yeah. Or our living amends. But, but this kind of goes a little bit of a deeper dive. And have you, have you found... Um, <clears throat> Has it helped? Oh, yeah, immensely. Uh, I do multiple meetings and uh, started uh, doing a guys group with uh, two other fellow travelers. Um, We're working through the steps right now, um, and then we're bringing in a couple other guys. It's all online, so it's really cool to reach out. We've got a set time. It's uh, just for males at the time. And just work through all this stuff uh, and hold each other accountable. And if anybody needs to communicate or talk or reach out, we're all open to 
helping one another grow um, as individuals, and it's it's really powerful. Yeah, uh, there's different literature with this too. So there's like a version where you just work on meditations, and as you're doing these guided meditations, you're you're focusing on a specific scenario in your childhood, mm -hmm. and then how you react to that, and then you know as you read and find out more things. Uh, it, you figure out how to help that child become whole. And okay. that's the whole goal is that your inner child, you're, you're helping them grow up and you're the loving parent. Yeah. And that way that child grows up healthy and in, metaphorically you're growing up healthy. And so um, it's, it's really powerful stuff. I think that a lot, this was all created by, you know, psychologists and doctors and really it sounds, it sounds It sounds a little heavy. It's very heavy. Yeah. And that's the other thing is it's, I've never picked up a self-help book that like one of the first things it says is like warning, you might have memories you've blocked out yeah. and they may yeah. come to and, and cause you to fucking yeah, feel like, a certain type of way. Yeah. Like, I mean, who knows what people black out and that could, you know, cause its own problems or a memory yeah. of someone doing something that you blocked out and uh so doing that uh you deep dive into yourself and you're gonna dissect yourself and then you're gonna work on yourself and you're gonna come out a better self and it's one of the best feelings ever um i've been in and out with it for the past two years but um currently i'm going through a divorce so i've been hitting it harder yeah. And uh, really just trying to stay focused on, on that aspect of things to be a better person for myself and for my son. But uh, it will most definitely make you realize a lot of things and also help you get to the finish line. Does it, uh, it seems like, does it help you just kind of cultivate like a, um, a sense of acceptance, right? Yeah. Like, like it's just, hey, this was what it was. Yeah. And it's not who I am per se right. um, I may have acted this way in the past mm -hmm. um, because of this upbringing yes. or, or how this happened but it doesn't have to be who I am now correct and, and, and I think that, that that's really cool man yeah. I, I, I really like that I, I, I dig that's like kind of the whole point of this podcast right yeah. like um, you know, it's it's constantly striving to be better. Absolutely. Um, and and that seems like a new avenue. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I'm yeah. intrigued, and it seems like it's more of a more of a more of a new age type of approach. Yeah. I would uh, say so. I mean, if you're incorporating, I mean, we talk about meditation in the program and shit. But, yeah. But but I mean, this seems like it's like you're actually doing guided yeah. guided meditations and, and targeted responses. Yeah. So that's that's dude, that's cool, man. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, and then. A lot of the people you meet there, just like any other 12-step, uh, you're going to meet a lot of great people that, that have years into it. Um, and there's more meetings uh, of this type being here, at least in Sacramento, uh, mm -hmm. popping up all over versus like a couple years ago, it was hard. It would be like one. And you have to drive like, you know, 20 miles to go yeah. meet two people in a room to talk about how bad your childhood was. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> how dedicated are you, brother? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and I, and I think that's something that um, the recovery community in a whole, it's like these specializations, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, I've noticed that, you know, even just like, what is it like? I don't know the term for the, for the meetings, but like people who are addicted to food, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, there, there are meetings for that. But there's like one yeah. in like fucking Texas <laughs> yeah. um, on a on every other Saturday yeah. at three p.m. Right, and then like the same thing for like you know Sex Addicts Anonymous like 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 there's there's only a few yeah, and and I and I'm glad that you were able to find that um, mm -hmm. because because it's it seems like it's a new it's a newer approach. Yeah. I, I I thought it was more of an Al-Anon type thing. Yeah, no, this is uh, <clears throat> predominantly just. Uh, 
Just self-discovery. Yeah, yeah, and it also helps you, so like, your parents obviously are huge impactors, um, thus the name of the program. Uh, so it also teaches you to accept your parents because a lot of the parents, they are doing what they know what to do. So if their parents weren't doing mm -hmm. things, you know, they're not gonna, it's not their fault that they weren't these perfect parents because they only know what they know. Yeah, dude. And so processing that and accepting them for who they are, obviously there's boundaries you have to go through and all these different uh, mm -hmm. ideals, but it helps you build a stronger relationship with your family. Um, I have a great relationship with my parents, and there was a lot of times that I'd resent them for a lot of things, but I've accepted a lot of uh, a lot of their, their uh, faults. faults right? yeah, yeah, and you know, it's, I still love them to death, and that's a great thing about this program as well. And then like friendships and relationships. You, uh, you can deep dive and you, you can see it and you'll start to see it in other people and then you know like oh it's, you're doing this because you probably like it. you mm -hmm. kind of evaluate the situation it's mm -hmm. kind of like knowing a mixed martial art and yeah. you can kind of already read the situation a little bit uh, going into it. And so I, it, I've gotten that way with like with, with the program, right? Yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, you're just harboring resentments, bro. Right. Like, like, you know, yeah, you know, or exactly. it's something real simple, and they'll be like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? And they'll be like, dude, I got you pegged. Yeah. Right. You can this distress can stop. Yeah. And I think there's a really cool point, and then we can wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Um, the point that you made for people who who grew up with with parents as alcoholics, and you know, kind of in that chaos mm -hmm. like you brought up, I love that you said they are just replicating what was modeled to them. Right. Right. And that's something as us as, you know, fathers of young children, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's something I strive to change, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there was a day and an age where, you know, like I said, my, my grandpa Davis, his dad was World War One vet, beat right. the fuck out of him. You know, our grandpa Fuchs, right? Yeah. Got his ass fucking beat. And yeah. what did they do? Well, my dude, my grandpa Davis never hit my dad, but I know Grandpa Fuchs was pretty pretty heavy handed with with discipline. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And that and that gets carried on. So oh, yeah. what are we what are we modeling? These are the changes, mm -hmm. and it's doing shit like this right. that makes these small incremental changes. Absolutely. And that it it may seem like a small thing when it's just one person doing it, but dude, that then spins off to Tavin, or that then spins off to Addison, exactly. that then spins off to Graham, and that's the coolest part. Yeah, and and it, and it just goes to show um, that you can, for anybody listening, no matter what the circumstance, mm -hmm. in my opinion, um, you can overcome anything. Yeah, okay. you honestly can with the right mindset yeah. and the right you know motivation to make that change. Anything is possible. And Matt and myself are sitting here talking um, mm -hmm. as living proof. And so is Henry over there in West Virginia. And everybody else fighting the good Oh, fight, absolutely. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of people out there doing great things. And as long as you wake up, and it's not easy to do. I have days now that are still rough. But I remember that I'm worth it, and I know what to do. And I just try to think of a few positive things I know I can accomplish, little or small and getting those checked off and then you just keep every day knowing that you're worth it and that you're going to strive to do better and better and you don't have to you're not going to get fixed overnight you're not going to have these epiphanies where you're just all of a sudden like it's all better you know it's a, it's a it's an hour by hour minute by minute moment by moment uh way of life and once you accept that and know that every minute counts and you can make the best out of any any minute yeah yeah well, I love that, dude, and I uh, I appreciate you, like I said, coming on. Yeah, I'm really glad um, I did. I, I know Hen was really upset that he couldn't make it today, but like I said, he, he has yeah. priorities. But but this was fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you guys had me on. And um, 
I do know that, like I said, for all our listeners, if you've heard tic tacking, that's Matt's blind dog walking around. <laughs> if you heard, if you heard, like I said, the little car running around, this has been a remote recording, so we're not in the we're not in the Hobbit shed today. Um, Tavin <laughs> has been great, though, brother. I, I, yeah. he's standing here, staring here, watching us right now. So um, next week. Um, we don't know exactly what we're going to do. We might try to wrangle in a, a West Virginia um, interview. Um, I know Henry has a bunch of people from the community out there that would love to maybe tell their story, or we'll have some hot take topic, but I know that um, Hen will have something to say about this, this interview, and, um, and we'll just go from there. Um, I'll give my little spiel. Um, give us a follow on Spotify. Give us five stars, please. Um, share it with a friend. Um, follow us on Instagram at Rude Dude Pod. Rude Dude Pod is all one word, and that is a lowercase r. Um, we are on Spotify. We prefer it because, like I said last week, you can listen to my shitty ad. Um, but we also are on Samsung, uh, Amazon Music, and Apple. Um, I will finish it like I always do. Um, and I love you. And then, hey, Matt. I love you, brother. Yeah, I love you. And, You've been uh, a huge uh, inspiration as well. Well, thanks, brother. I yeah. appreciate that. And uh, I think a lot of things that you said today, dude, will really make a difference. So yeah. so keep fighting the good fight, dude. You're a shining example for a lot more people than you think. Thank you. Um, and uh, we will be back next week. So, ha-ha! One of them see with the music and miracle. One of them puppies and boys. Oh, oh, oh.